It is such a joy to be able to gather with you on Christmas Day and to worship with you because Jesus really is what Christmas is all about. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, there's should be one in a chair in front of you close by, and you can use that. And if you're using one of those Bibles, it's on page 1456. So 1456, but Matthew chapter 1, it's the first chapter of the New Testament. And we read this entire passage in our scripture reading, but we're going to focus on a few verses in that passage that talk about Jesus' name of Emmanuel. And that name, as it says, means God with us. It's a compound of Hebrew words that means God with us. And what does that mean, though? What is the significance of Jesus being Emmanuel? What is the significance of Jesus being God who has come to earth to be with us. Well, to summarize it, we would say God became a man to save us from sin and be with us forever. God became a man to save us from sin and be with us forever. So like I said, we read this entire passage earlier, but we're going to focus on verses 21 to 23 now. So if you're there in Matthew chapter 1, Let's read verses 21 to 23. It says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word as it says here that you are God who is with us. What a wonderful, glorious, magnificent truth. Lord, it's really so great that it's beyond our full comprehension. But I pray that as I preach from your word now that you would teach our hearts the greatness of this truth, that you would help us stand in awe of who you are, that we would love you more as we see your love for us, that we would trust in you as our only Savior, and Lord, that you would be glorified in all of this. So we thank you for this truth that we celebrate at Christmas time that you, God himself, became a man, a baby, to come and to save us and be with us. And we ask your blessing on this, the preaching of your word now, in your name, Amen. Well, one of the most obvious things about this passage and about what we celebrate at Christmas time is that God became a man. 
And that's a bold, that's a big statement. So when we say that, what do we mean? Who is the man that God became, and what does it mean that he became a man? Well, Jesus is that man, and it means that he is fully God and fully human at the same time. So Jesus is fully God. He's not somehow less than the Father or less than the Spirit. He wasn't created at some point. He's not like an angel where they're really powerful and they're really cool, but they're not quite on God's level. No, Jesus is fully God. That's part of where our doctrine of the Trinity comes in. This is the the diagram that you'll often see to explain the Trinity, where you've got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the corners, God in the middle. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are all equally one God. But they are not the same. They are distinct persons, three persons in one nature. And so when we talk about Jesus Christ being the Son of God, or coming as God in the flesh, we are talking about the second person of the Trinity, the fullness of God coming and dwelling in a body, as Colossians 2 teaches, that the fullness of the Godhead is dwelling in a body. So he has always existed as God from eternity past. The Son of God was fully God. He wasn't created at Christmas time. No, He always existed. And at a certain point in history, He chose to add to His divine nature a human nature. And we call this, if you want the big fancy word, we call it the hypostatic union. That's what's up there. And I made this diagram to kind of help us understand it, hopefully, but You've got one person, Jesus, that's the big circle, and within him there is the full divine nature, and there is a full human nature. It's not that Jesus was half God and half man, he's fully God and fully man. It's not that he just looked human, no, he really was human. When he was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, The second person of the Trinity added a full human nature to his divine nature. The only part of humanity that Jesus did not share with us is sin. And honestly, Jesus is more human than any of us have ever experienced because we're not supposed to be sinful by God's design. Jesus has experienced the fullness of perfect humanity. And like the Trinity, this is something that we can't quite wrap our minds around. But it's something that God clearly teaches in the Bible. Something that we have to accept by faith. That there is the Trinity, and at some point in history, 2,000 years ago, the second member of that Trinity took on a full human nature. And in one body, in one person, he was both fully God and fully human. That's why I love the lyrics of what we sang in Hark the Herald Angels See. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Jesus, God with 
us. And we also sing, Behold our God. I did that on purpose. Because Jesus is our God. As we, as Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, they beheld Him lying in that manger as a baby, they were beholding God. As that song says, who has uh, held the oceans in his hands? It's that baby that was held in Mary's hands. Who has numbered every grain of sand? It was that baby who could only cry, couldn't even talk. Jesus was fully God, fully human. And this alone really should cause us to just marvel to worship Jesus for who He is. But when we realize why He came, it gets even more amazing. Why did God become a man? It's because God wants to have a relationship with us. When Jesus chose to take that name upon Himself, Emmanuel, God with us, When He became a human like us, it wasn't just empty words or just to put on a show. He was proving that He really wants to be with us. Those are words of relationship. He is not just God who's better than us and above us and greater than us and we have no hope of ever really knowing Him. He's not just the God who made the universe and let it go and doesn't really worry about it anymore. He is God who wants to be with us. God who left heaven and took on a human nature and became a man to be with us. That is how deeply He loves us. Those are the the links that He would go to to be with us. I remember when I was a kid and Prince William married Kate Middleton. It was this big deal. Why? Because he's part of the royal family. He's a prince of England. And who is Kate Middleton? Well, she was just a commoner. They, I don't know how they met, but somehow this man who is part of the highest family in England and one of the most famous people in the world, he met this commoner who, if you go by the English standard, she's beneath him because she's just a commoner. But he said, I love her. I want to marry her. And he went and he got her, brought her to himself, and they got married. How much more amazing is it that the God of the universe would look at us, frail, sinful humans made of dust, and He would say, I love you. I want to be with you. In fact, I want to be with you so much that I'm going to become one of you to bring you back to me so that we can have a relationship with God. That is astounding. What amazing love. Well, how do we 
prioritize this relationship, though. This obviously should be the most important thing in our lives, that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, with God of the universe, and the love that He has shown us. How do we actually make that important in our lives? Because it should be the most important thing in our lives. Well, think about how relationships work. If you imagine, maybe there's, you think about a guy in college, and he says he's dating a girl. He says, man, I, just, I love this girl so much. And his roommate looks over, and there's a stack of mail sitting on his desk, unopened. And he says, what's that stack of mail? And he says, oh, that's from my girlfriend. And he says, well, have you ever opened it and read the letters she wrote you? No. Well, I thought you loved her. Why aren't you reading the letters she writes you? Well, that's nah, not that important. Okay, well, do you ever like talk to her on the phone or text her? No. Why would I do that? Well, she's your girlfriend, right? You said you love her. Don't you talk to her? No. Well, do you ever spend time with her, like with her friends, the people that she likes? And you ever spend time with her? No. Why would I hang out with her and her friends? Okay, if someone is treating someone like that, do they really love them? They never read the letters they write them. They never talk to them. They never spend time with people together or anything like that. That's not how relationships work. So if you say, well, I have a relationship with God, and I don't ever read my Bible, this book that God himself gave us so we could know him, I'm going to question, do you really love God? Do you really know God? Do you ever pray? Do you ever talk to God in prayer? Well, no. Well, then do you really have a relationship with him? If you never talk to him, do you enjoy being around God's people, around the church, the people that God himself loves? Well, no, I never spend time with them. Well, do you really have a relationship with God then? If you never talk to him, you never listen to him in the Bible, you never spend time with his people, that's how we prioritize our relationship with God. When you love someone here on earth, it's, man, I'm texting them. I'm talking to them on the phone. I want to spend time with them. We have you know, friends that we hang out with together. If you, if you give me something, like if Angie were to write me a letter, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to read this. I'm not going to just set it on my desk and who cares? That's how we prioritize our relationship with God. It's the basics reading the Bible, praying, coming to church, and being with God's people. And so just to give you a little sneak peek, next week, the first of the year, I'm going to introduce some strategies that hopefully, by God's grace, will help you individually and us as a church prioritize our relationship with God and pursue a deeper walk with Jesus Christ, the God who became a man to be with us.
So God wants to have a relationship with you. Is that your number one priority in life? Are you prioritizing your relationship with God? But you see, there's a problem, a huge problem, about us having a relationship with God, and it's called sin. Sin separates us from God, and so in order for us to have a relationship, a real relationship with God, sin has to be removed. That's why in our big idea it says that God became a man to save us from sin and be with us forever. So God came to save us from sin. Why? Because sin separates us from Him. Sin separates us from God. And just like the name Emmanuel means God with us and it has very deep significance, so does the name Jesus. The name Jesus literally means Yahweh or Jehovah saves. Jesus is Yahweh, Jehovah, the one true God who came to us to save us. And what does He save us from? Sin. That's the main problem because it separates us from God. So what is sin exactly? Well, if you want a really technical definition, I know I'm throwing some theology at you this morning. If you want a really technical definition, sin is any thought, word, deed, disposition, or state that does not conform to the moral character of God. So anything you think, anything you say, anything you do, any attitude you have that does not align with God's good character, that is sin. But that's really dry and robotic sounding, isn't it? And the Bible actually many, many times pictures sin in relational terms. The Bible calls sin spiritual adultery. Sin is like when we, is like committing adultery against God because we are exchanging God for something else. That's what Paul teaches in Romans 1. He says that the root of every single sin is spiritual idolatry and adultery. And so, of course, it is going to separate us from God. If a man cheats on his wife or a wife cheats on her husband, of course it is going to distance them. And that's what the Bible teaches about our sin, that God created us to love Him and know Him and find satisfaction in a relationship with Him. But all of us By nature, we look at God and we say, no, I don't really believe that you are the most wonderful, the perfectly lovable, supremely worthy being in the universe. I'm going to go love and worship something else. God gives us himself and we say, no, thank you. I'm going to exchange you for whatever else it is that I want to love and worship goodbye. That is sin. 
that is the root of all of our sins. So, of course, that is going to separate us from God. So, what do we do about that? How do we fix this problem? Well, we cannot save ourselves from this sin and the punishment it deserves. And so, amazingly, even though we have committed spiritual adultery against God, He Himself came to save us from that sin and bring us back. What amazing love that is. This is just unbelievable. So Jesus came to save us from sin because only the God-man can save us from sin. Only someone who is fully God and fully man can actually save us. Now, why do I say that? Well, think with me. Sin against an infinite God deserves infinite punishment. We all understand how this works, that when you do something against someone, if you hurt someone, the more important that person is, the greater the repercussions are. So if I walk down in the street and I punch random average Joe in the face, okay, there's going to be consequences for that. I don't know, maybe I'll get taken to court for assault or something. If I walk out in Washington, D.C., and I try and punch the President of the United States in the face, it's going to be a lot worse than just punching some random average guy. Okay, I'm, his security team's going to jump on me. They'd probably shoot me before I even got close to him. The repercussions are way worse. Why? Because he is in a more important position than random average Joe on the street. How much worse is it then when we sin against the infinite God, the King of the universe? That sin... Any sin against Him deserves infinite punishment. Moses says in Psalm 90 that God's wrath is equal to the worthiness of God, to the worship that He deserves. It's infinite. So, how do we get out of that? Infinite punishment, because we're finite. Well, it starts, we need a human to pay for humanity's sin. Only a human can represent the human race before God. A dog can't do it. An angel can't do it. It has to be a human. But humans are finite. We can't pay an infinite punishment for all the people that need that. If I suffered for my sin, I would just be doing it by myself, for myself, for all of eternity. I can't save anyone else. So how do we get out of this problem? We need someone who is fully human to represent us before God. And we need someone who is infinite, who can take all of that infinite punishment that we deserve. The only way it's possible is with Jesus Christ, God with us, 
Only the God-man can pay for humanity's sin as a man and absorb all of the infinite wrath and punishment as God. Only He can do that. That's why anything that we do in and of ourselves to try and work our way out of sin and out of God's punishment and get closer to God, it's like if there was a massive wildfire consuming the whole state and you say, wait, I got this. I'm going to go put the fire out. And you get your little cup of water and you go and toss it on the wildfire. Is that going to do anything? No. That's what it's like when we try to save ourselves, when we try to depend on, well, I did all these good works, or I was baptized, or I joined this church, when we depend on our works to try and work our way out of sin. That's what it's like. Only Jesus, because He is fully God and fully man, He is the ocean that can quench the wildfire of God's wrath and punishment against our sin. Only the God-man can save us from sin. And He did that when He died on the cross in our place. Those are the links that He would go to to save us and bring us back to Himself. Not only did He become a man, but He took all of our sin and all of our punishment that we deserve on Himself. And He died the most horrible death imaginable on the cross. We really cannot fathom the depths of His love for us that He would do that. And Jesus did not stay dead. He didn't stay in the tomb. He rose again after three days. And that proves that He really did absorb all of the wrath. That He did all the work that needs to be done. If, he, if there was still something, some wrath left over, some punishment left over for Jesus to absorb, He would still be in the grave. But He rose from the dead. And so the work is done. And all we have to do is trust in Him. We don't have to have Jesus plus something else. Just rest in Jesus alone. And so that's the question. Have you realized that what I've said about your sin is true? That with our sin, we have committed spiritual adultery against God and we have been separated from Him. And because of our sin, we deserve infinite punishment. And have you realized that Jesus alone, God with us, is the only hope that you have of being saved from that sin? If you have never trusted in that Jesus that I've just described to save you from the sin that I've talked about, I urge you to do that today. You can all you have to do is stop trusting in yourself, turn from your sin, and trust in Jesus completely, fully, alone. 
to save you, and He will. And He will give you a right relationship with God. So Jesus is the God-man who came to save us from sin so that we could have a relationship with Him. But Jesus isn't here anymore, is He? He's not on earth. He ascended back to heaven. So what does that mean for our relationship with God now? If you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, does that mean that, well, I can't really have a relationship with Him until He comes back? Well, no. As our big idea says, well, sin, God became a man to save us from sin and be with us forever. God will be with us forever. It's very interesting that Matthew begins his gospel here in chapter 1 talking about Jesus being God with us. And the very last verse of Matthew, Jesus gives this promise. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Matthew begins his gospel with this. He ends his gospel with this, that God wants to be with us. It ties everything together. It's the thread that runs through the book that Jesus is doing these things to restore us to a right relationship with him. But how can he be with us if he's back in heaven now? Well, God is with us now by his spirit. If you have trusted in Jesus, like I just described, he has sent the Holy Spirit to live in you. There are so many passages that talk about this. Just one, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? That's how God is with us now. The third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, lives in believers and He enables us to experience the presence of God in our lives because He is God too. He is God who lives in us. And I know that the holidays can be a somewhat painful time for some people, but I really hope that this truth comforts you. If you face a Christmas alone or a Christmas without a certain loved one who has passed away, remember that God is with you. You're not alone. God is there. If your Christmas feels joyless because your life has been turned just upside down and you don't know what's left from right and up from down and you don't know what to do next, God is still with you. God has drawn near to us in Jesus Christ and He will draw near to you in your pain. The Psalms say that God is close to the brokenhearted. He is with us. So through every family dinner that now has an empty seat, through every happy but tear-stained holiday memory, 
through every Christmas carol that you sing with an aching heart and a breaking voice, God is with you. God is there. And He will never leave you or forsake you. Take comfort in that. Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. Find comfort in this reality. But as amazing as this is, and it is amazing, it's still not the full package. It gets even better because God will be with us in fullness forever. Not just by His Spirit, but in fullness. Matthew ends his Gospel with the promise from Jesus that He will be with us always. And the Bible itself actually ends with this promise in Revelation 21, verse 3. John says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and He will live with them. They will be His peoples, and God Himself will be with them and will be their God. So in this passage, this is the the end of history, really, and the beginning of a whole new chapter where Christ has returned. He has fully defeated all of His enemies. And God's people are being ushered into the new heaven and the new earth that God creates with sinlessness and perfection. There's no faults, no sins, no barriers between us and God. And one of the greatest promises in that new heaven and new earth is that God Himself will come and will live with us in fullness on the earth with His people. That is amazing. God's presence is our joy and our comfort now, and it is our hope and our joy for all of eternity. If you have trusted in Jesus, like I have said, this is your future. No matter how rough, no matter how dark, no matter how painful the present is, if you have trusted in Jesus, this is your future living with God in the new heaven and the new earth and enjoying His presence forever and ever and ever. That is our hope. And as we finish looking at this amazing reality of God with us, I just want to read to you the lyrics from another song that's been written on this topic. It's called, I Am With You. It's by a man named Chris Anderson. He wrote songs like His Robes for Mine that we sing quite often. And I think this one eventually is a good one that our church needs to learn. But he says, I am with you, says the Father. Through the floods I calm and keep. Though the swelling waves surround you, I surround the waters deep. Fear not, loved one. Feel my presence. You will never be alone. Trust me, loved one, you are precious. You are mine, my very own. I am with you, says the Savior, even to the age's end, never leaving nor forsaking, 
I'm your ever-present friend. Fear not, loved one, hear my comfort. None can pluck you from my hand. Trust me, loved one, I am constant. None can change what I have planned. I am with you, says the Spirit. There is nowhere you can flee. Neither height nor depth can hide you. Every place is home to me. Fear not, loved one. Hear my witness. You are God's own child and heir. Trust me, loved one. Hear my whisper. Deep within you, I am here. Come be with me, says the Master, greeting hopeful, homesick eyes. I was with you in your journey. Be with me in paradise. Fear not, loved one. Know my promise. I will surely quickly come. Trust me, loved one. Know my purpose. I will bring you safely home. Amen. That is wonderful. That is the joy and the hope of Christmas. The joy and the hope of Jesus being Emmanuel. God with us. God became a man to save us from sin and be with us forever. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus, in this Jesus that we've talked about, to save you from your sin, I urge you to do that. If you have questions, if you're not sure about something, if you didn't understand something, please talk to me. I am more than happy to talk to you about this. And if you have trusted Jesus to save you from your sin, prioritize that relationship that you have with Him. Get in the Bible. Pray. Be part of a local church and grow in your relationship with God. And if the holidays are mixed with sorrow and pain and heartache because of some hardship or the loss of a loved one in your life, like I've mentioned, then let the presence of God with you minister the comfort and peace that only He can give. And take hope. Take hope in the promise that we will be with God and He will be with us in fullness forever. That is our blessed hope. So let's pray and thank God for that now.